I'm seeing uh, again that uh, that Caleb was a great godly man, someone to be admired, and we find him featured uh, here in Joshua uh, 15 um, as we get a little snapshot of him once again. And uh, from uh, chapter 14, we saw a few things about, uh, about Caleb when he was, uh, well, how old was he? He was 40 when he went in to spy the land. Um, in chapter 14, how old was he? 85 years old. 85 years old. But we found uh, at 85 years old, he was a faithful man. He was uh, still somewhat of a feisty man, and he was focused. And the phrase that we saw repeated uh, a number of times was that uh, Caleb w was blessed because he wholly followed the Lord God. He wholly followed the Lord God. And we asked the question last week, uh, what if all of Israel had had the heart of Caleb? How differently might have things have looked? How much sooner would they have gotten uh, to that land that they were meant to have? Um, how much would the spirit and the resolve of a nation would have been uh, different if everybody had had the attitude in the heart of, of Joshua and Caleb? As it were, um, as it was, it ended up that a lot of them just ended up wandering for a long time, just wandering. Well, just going through the motions um, in the wilderness for 40 years. And it wasn't until um, after uh, here that we find that uh, they had passed over uh, Jordan into this land that, uh, that God had promised them, this land of blessing, this land uh, that pictures a victory in the Christian's life, um, that we see... Caleb reaping really a lot of the benefits of, uh, of what he, he had invested in way back then. And, you know, 40 years is a long time to stay faithful when maybe you're, you're thinking, I haven't uh, received everything that God seems to have promised me <laughs> as I honor him. But uh, evidently, for a lot of that journey, for guys like Joshua and Caleb, having a relationship with their God, a personal relationship with their God, was enough. And that's why it keeps saying about him, he wholly followed the Lord God. And so many times we hear as Christians, you know, if you're going to be victorious as a Christian, and I know this becomes cliche, but it can't become cliche, you've got to keep your eyes on the Lord. You've got to keep your eyes on the Lord. Um... Everything else is going to let you down at one level or another. I've, I've, I've sure found that out. And uh, it doesn't mean that other things can't be encouraging and other things can't be helpful to us. But ultimately, you know, when, when, when everybody around Caleb was wandering and sometimes faltering, um, he found a way to wholly follow God. And to keep his eyes on him. And so we could insert ourselves into that question there. 
What if all of Israel had had my spirit in my heart? What if all of Israel, including Caleb and Joshua, had had your spirit and your heart for the Lord? What would that have looked like? Would they have had the type of leadership that they ended up having uh, with these godly men? With these godly men. And uh, so as we proceed now to, uh, to Joshua chapter 15, we see a little more about Caleb here. Remember in chapter 14, um, he was given an opportunity to, to pick the land that he, that, he, that he wanted. And at that age, he could have picked, you know, just a land of ease. A land where he was just going to be able to kind of just settle in, you know, be comfortable, and uh, just finish his days out. I mean, Caleb had already, humanly speaking, you know, done enough for, for, for his country and, uh, and for the cause. But he said, you know, you know, what, you know what land I want? I want, that, I want that mountain up there where the, descend, the descendants of, of Anak are, those, uh, those big old boys that intimidated you know, all, um, uh, 10 out, out of my 11 cohorts back in the day when we went to spy out the land, some of them are still running around up on that mountain up there. And some of them still haven't been taken care of. And so I'll tell you what, give me that mountain and I'll lead the charge to get that land. To get that land uh, that God intends for us uh, to, to have. And uh, to go with the right spirit, um, to go with having eyes on the Lord, uh, go with having the cause firmly in mind and, uh, and to take that land. And so in, uh, in Joshua chapter 15 and verse 13, the land is being uh, uh, divvied out here. And the tribe of Judah gets, which was the tribe of, of uh, Caleb, uh, they're being um, blessed to, to get uh, the land first. And it says in verse 13 there, it says, And unto Caleb... The son of Jephunneh, he gave a part among the children of Judah, according to the commandment of the Lord to Joshua, even the city of Arba, the father of Anak, which, uh, which city is Hebron. And uh, it says in verse 14, look at this, because remember that Caleb had asked for that land. And uh, if he didn't really want it, <laughs> you know, maybe he would, some might say, well, he was just talking big, right? Um, and, uh, but they called his bluff if he was just talking big. And he had, made, he had put it out there. He had kind of thrown his hat over the fence what his intentions were. Well, let's look at verse uh, uh, 15. It says here, And he went up thence to the inhabitants of Debir, and the name of Debir before was uh, Kirjasaphir. And Caleb said, He that smiteth Kirjasaphir and taketh it to him, I will give Aksa, uh, my daughter, uh, to wife. So you can see here that he's pretty serious about getting this land to the degree where he said, I'll give my daughter as a wife to whoever helps me with this. But look at verse 14. Before he said that, it says, and Caleb drove thence the three sons of Anak, uh, Shashai, and Ahiman, and Telmai, the children of Anak. So we see here that Caleb followed through with his decisions. 
That's a great characteristic of a godly man. A, that he made decisions to begin with at 85 years old. And then B, that he followed through with those decisions. And I want to encourage you tonight to be like Caleb. Never stop making decisions for God in your life. Never stop doing that. It's easy to stop doing that. It's easy, you know, well, I remember when I was first getting serious about serving God, which was about when I was about 19 years old, when I really got serious about serving, 18, 19 years old. I made a lot of decisions then. Because I was renewed in my fervor to serve God, and, and uh, you know, I, I had resolved, okay, you know, I, I've, I've tried other things. I've, you know, I've somewhat messed around with, uh, with, with, with experimenting in different things. And, and uh, I haven't been faithful to the Lord, even though I knew better. And now i am come to the point where I'm just deciding that th- this, is, this is what I want to do with my life. I want to serve God with my life. Kind of like Joshua, you know. I want to serve God. And, and one day he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And, uh, you know, by God's grace, that, that, that's a decision that I made. And after that, I remember making a lot of decisions. I guess you'd call it being sensitive to the fact that I needed to change a lot of things. Right? But somewhere along the line, you know what, you know what tends to happen to us as Christians? We, we get to a point where we stop feeling like we need to change things. We stop having that attentiveness to what God might be doing in our heart to make us more like Jesus. Two, as it says, you know, our theme for this year, to conform us to his image. And there's always steps to be taken in the Christian life. That's what makes the Christian life an adventure. That's what makes the fact that God is always working in our lives a reality. That's what makes it interesting and real. Is, is, the, is the fact that every time I hear from God, there's an opportunity there at that moment to personally hear what he's doing in my life and to think about how I can respond to that as I walk with him and as I want to get more of him, as I want to experience even more of his blessing in my life. And so I really admire that about Caleb. I admire the fact that that, that he was still making decisions. And his decision was, there's still some ground that needs to be taken. I realize, you know, there's still some things lingering here that I I could be dealing with. And I'm not going to be too proud to say that we haven't gotten it all taken care of. We don't have it all totally in line yet. I can still take more steps towards godliness and towards victory in my life. And I want to make a decision to do that. And, uh, you know, at at, uh, at 52, and when I say that number to some of you, that sounds old. And some of you, sounds sounds young. It's all relative. But at 52 years old, you know... I could be in danger of just thinking, hey, look, you know, I mean, I've pretty much made all the decisions that I'm, that I'm going to uh, make at this point, you know, and I'm pretty, at this point, I think I'm just, you know, kind of plateaued, and this is good. But, man, you know, it seems like whenever I spend time in God's Word, again, something jumps out to me. That either I need to shore up a little more, or maybe something I haven't thought of in a long time. Once in a while, even, even though I've been around, you know, preaching or in God's Word for a long time now, Something that, wow, you know, I never thought of that that way. And uh, that is a great decision that I can make today. Never stop making decisions. Don't go through the motions when you're, when you're uh, um, dealing with, with God's Word and what He's doing in your life. Uh, because then it'll become a lot less interesting and exciting to be a Christian. That's for sure.
But not only did Caleb make decisions, but he followed through with his decisions. He wasn't just, you know, it wasn't just a knee-jerk reaction. I mean, I think sometimes as Christians, we're afraid to make decisions because we're thinking, maybe this is going to be an emotional decision, and I'm, you know, maybe I'm not going to follow through with it. Uh, I don't want to make a hasty decision and not. But the thing of it is, you know, a lot of times, that, hesitant, uh, that, that, that being hesitant at that moment will keep us from making progress in our, in our Christian lives. And, uh, and, you know, the devil will come at us from all kinds of angles. And he's saying, ah, you know, you're probably just, you're probably just getting carried away a little bit here. You know, you're probably just emotionally hyped up a little bit. Just forget about it and come back to that another day. Well, I think when God is working in our heart, right then is the best time to make a decision. Right then. And, uh, and then when you do make a decision, you know, realize that, that God brought you to that, and he wants to help you keep that decision as well. And, uh, and so it says there that Caleb, indeed, in verse 14, drove thence the three sons of Anak. So he went and he took that mountain, and he took that challenge uh, to keep working for God and continue to, to take ground in, in, his, in his heart and in his life uh, as a picture would play out here for us today uh, for, for the Lord. Now, what I showed you in verses 15 and 16 is interesting because what it looks like to me is what he couldn't accomplish himself he found a way to encourage others to accomplish. And we've ta been talking a lot about teamwork, you know, over the last three weeks. We had a little series on that there. And, uh, and, and you know, this was a very unique way to get a, to get a teammate here in this, in this battle, wasn't it? He must have looked and he must have seen, well, you know, I don't really have, you know, sons that can help me in this effort here at, the, at, this, at this point. Um, so I guess I got to get myself a son. You know, it's kind of like me. I never had daughters. Now I'm getting daughters, all right? Um, and, uh, and it's a wonderful thing. But here, he, he says, okay, look, you know, I, I am, I'm doing what I can. I'm making the decisions I can. I'm trying to follow through with them. But I got to tell you, I can't do it by myself. I need some help here against these guys. These guys were just as big as I remember. These challenges were just as big as I thought they were going to be. And uh, so he says, oh, I think, I think this is what I'll do. I, I have this daughter here, and uh, she's a... Uh, She's a prized possession of mine, and I think she can make a wonderful wife to the right type of man. And I think he's thinking, you know, you know what the right type of man would be? The right type of man would be a man that has the same vision as I have for life. That says, you know, the, the, a man that would say, yeah, I want to battle for God. A man that, that says, I want to be on the Lord's side. A man that says, I want to wholly follow God and who maybe catch the vision that I have or match me in my vision or join me in my vision so we can work together, you know, on, on this thing here. And, uh, and so that, this, is, this is what he does. It says, as we read already, uh, uh, it says, and he went up then, to so verse 15, to the inhabitants of Debir, in the, in the name of Debir, before Kirjas Sefer. And he had taken some ground, but there's, now he's thinking, man, you know, um, there's more to be done. And Caleb said, he that smiteth, Courage us a fair and taketh it to him will I give uh, um, Aksa, that's kind of a funny name, but uh, my daughter to wife. And, uh, and, uh, and so um, what he couldn't do himself, he, he, uh, he, he wanted to, to challenge others to do. And he was wise, wasn't he? He didn't give the payout until the job was done, right? He didn't say, hey, uh, um, you know, if you promise me you'll go take care of these fellas, I'll, I'll, let you marry, I'll let you marry my daughter. 
He said, no, you go do that. And then when I see that job's done, you, you come see me and we'll, uh, we'll finish the, 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 uh, the agreement here. Um, and uh, so Caleb was, was not only a man of great and bold deeds, but also a man who encouraged other, others to great and bold deeds. And uh, we see that as he offers his daughter in marriage to the man who was bold enough to conquer a city in order to have her. That's a pretty neat picture right there. He was willing to conquer a city in order to, to, uh, uh, to have his, his daughter there. And uh, he must have thought she was, she was pretty valuable uh, to, uh, to take that on. Um, and so uh, it's, it's, it's Othniel, uh, verse 17, it says, um, And Othniel, the son of Canaz, uh, the brother of Caleb, took it, and he gave him, um, um, Exah, his daughter, to wife. So, you know, in those times, it was more common uh, for, you know, to be more, like, uh, this would be cousins getting, getting married ultimately here. Um, and uh, so this was his, his nephew, and, and he went and he whooped up on, on uh, those guys there, and, and uh, he took care of that business. Um, he shows, you know, some of his uncle's gumption here, and uh, some of his, his, his uncle's uh, bravery and... and uh, um, his vision uh, to serve the Lord, and, uh, and, he, and he gets the girl. And so I just want to skip over to Judges chapter 3 now. I want to talk a little bit about this Othniel. Doesn't anybody know what Othniel ended up being? Uh, the first of, yes, the first judge, the first judge uh, of Israel. Let's go to Judges chapter 3. Let's look at Othniel for a couple minutes here, and, and it'll tie into some things that we've seen here in Joshua as well, and we'll take another five minutes or so, and we'll end up here uh, this evening. It says in Judges chapter 3, Now these are the, the, the nations which the Lord left to prove Israel by them. Now remember we said that, uh, you know, that God hadn't allowed them to, to defeat the, uh, the Philistines? Remember how we said that it seemed like the Philistines were around like forever after that, and they are always pesky, and they're always a nuisance, and, and they're always like this, you know, these people that uh, um, they were aggravating, you know, Israel. Um, well, look at this, what it says here. Now, these are the nations which the Lord left. It doesn't say that, that, that Israel didn't defeat them. It says that the Lord left them. That's interesting. Why did he leave them? Well, the next phrase tells you, to prove Israel by them. Now, remember that this is a great illustration of the Christian life, and it's a great illustration of, of seeking to live the victorious Christian life, and it's a great illustration of moving ahead in your Christian life. And uh, it seems to me what God is saying is that he will leave some adversaries in our life in order to prove us, in order to test us, in order to see if we'll continue to trust him and battle for him and keep our eyes on him. It's interesting. Because I, you'd like to think that at some point, you know, you would just get victory and that you would have no more challenges in that regard. You could uh, just skate through it at that point. But even with leaders like Joshua and Caleb, it doesn't seem like Israel ever got to that point. They would always have those that God left there to prove them. 
to give them challenges in which they had to trust the Lord. To give them times where they, they just had to say, you know, Lord, we don't understand why these, you know, these nations are still around here. They're thorns in our side. But, you know, it's going to keep our eyes on you. We keep moving ahead. We're going to keep doing what's right. And uh, when, when, when it seems like it's kind of overwhelming and we don't know what to do, we're going to trust you. And he brought other leaders along the way, you know, at times when it came to, to these, like, like David. They said, hey, there's still a cause. I mean, I know they got this giant. I know they seem, you know, uh, overwhelming, but there's still a cause um, in Israel. And uh, so it says there, uh, even as many of Israel as had not known uh, all the wars of Canaan. Because there arose a generation here that, didn't, that hadn't really battled like the previous generation, right? I mean, there's been a couple of generations in, in, in fundamentalism and, and in, in biblical, you know, churches, Bible-based churches in America that have had it pretty easy because of, you know, maybe battles that have been fought before them within the ranks, you know, to, 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 get, uh, to, to, to gain the ground that's been gained for these generations. There's kind of an ebb and flow to it, it seems like. It seems like, you know, people battle and people, uh, uh, people fight and, and people take a stand and people pay the price and then you kind of have you know, a little bit of rest in it, and then you kind of, the danger is that there's, a, you know, a couple of generations later is you have, you have kind of a soft generation that isn't battle-tested, right? Well, God doesn't want that to happen. God doesn't want for there to perpetually, you know, become softer and softer in each generation of Christianity because they have, they don't have to trust him for anything. They don't have any battles to fight, right? Because it's just like uh, a bed of ease for them. And, uh, and, and so we see that, that picture uh, here uh, now. Those that have not known those wars, well, they're going to have their own wars now. They're going to have their own stands they have to take, right? And uh, they're going to have some battles to fight that, that pr those previous generations aren't going to be able to fight for them. They're going to have to be prepared themselves. They're going to have to have the armory of God on to fight those battles. And uh, I can see we're not going to get all the way through uh, what, I, what we're going to see of Othniel here, but we'll, let's just uh, kind of introduce it, and we'll, we'll get into it uh, um, next time, Lord willing. It says, only that the generations of the, of the children of Israel might know to teach them war at the least as uh, such as before knew nothing thereof. They're going to they're gonna have to, to learn to trust the Lord in the battle themselves. Now look at this. Which nations are we talking about here? Namely, five lords of the Philistines. <laughs> there they are. We were wondering before, why wasn't God taking care of the Philistines? Well, because the Philistines were let by God to hang around um, to, to be part of the proving uh, for Israel. And all the uh, Canaanites, Canaanites, the Sidonians, and the Hivites that dwell in the Mount Lebanon from Mount uh, Bel-Hermon unto the entering in of Hamas. So there was, there was a certain uh, remnant of people here that God allowed to stay. Uh, in verse 4, and they were to, what? To prove Israel by them and to know whether they would hearken unto the commandments of the Lord, which he commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses. And the children of Israel dwelt among the Canaanites, Hittites, and Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And they took their daughters to be their wives, and gave their daughters to their sons, and served their gods. So, did they pass the test? Not always. Not always. And so there was a generation here that slipped in, you know, to, instead of looking at it that, hey, look, we have to be the influencers here. We are God's people. We are coming in as the presence of God in this land, representative of Almighty God Himself, the greatest cause that there is. Instead, what do they start to do? 
They started to, to get, you know, lackadaisical. They started to get apathetic. They started to get their eyes off of what their real cause was. Look at the world. See the things that were attractive in the world. You know, they started marrying um, ungodly spouses. And with that, spouses are, are a powerful thing. <laughs> and uh, they might have just been thinking, well, what's the big deal? You know, I can marry this spouse and win them to the Lord and it'll be a great thing. Well, what happened? Oh, the influences of that were very strong, and so they started to make accommodations for their gods as well, for their way of thinking, for their godless philosophies. And what happened? Well, Israel started to be, to be weakened here, started to be weakened, because they, they, they'd forgotten their identity, right? Um, they had been proved, and they'd, they'd been found uh, wanting in that regard in these future generations. And it says, and the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and forgot the Lord their God and served Balaam in the groves. They started serving these foolish gods. Remember, I mean, Baal, I mean, they were, they were, his prophets, what was it, like 700 of them, danced around and cut themselves and called upon him and, you know, somehow tried to get some sort of, of, uh, of sign from him and call down fire. Baal, Baal could do nothing for them. And then uh, Elijah, you know, he came and, and he said, you know, pour water on that wood, pour, uh, pour water, douse it all, soak it all down. And then just one man calling upon, you know, the one true God um, and fire came down, right? And they never forget. If it feels like you're one against 700, remember, you've you got the one true God on your side, all right? And uh, <laughs> that's right where you want to be right there. Would you rather have been in the 700 that were, you know, dancing around foolishly for, 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 for Baal? Or would you have uh, you know, rather have been the, the, in that minority? But, uh, you know, you got God uh, with you. And uh, it says, And therefore the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he sold them into the hand of the uh, Chusanarishathim, king of Mesopotamia. How was that, Kerry? Um, and the children of Israel served that same guy. Eight years. And in verse 9, it says, And when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer to the children of Israel who delivered them, even, here it is, Othniel, the son of Canaz, Caleb's younger brother. There's that guy right there. So you might think, well, you know, he just did that, he just did that to, to get this girl. Evidently not. He ended up being a great leader here in his own right. We'll look at him a little bit uh, um, uh, next week. So, these are pictures for us. You know, we're not fighting in the same way here. We're not, we don't have, you know, swords and spears and shields, you know, the literal sword here. Uh, we're not fighting this physical battle. And the, and, the, and the Bible tells us that. You know, our battle not, now is not against flesh and blood in the same way, but it's a picture of the battle, and it's just as real. It's just as real. And uh, uh, the lessons that we can learn here about, uh, you know, holy following the Lord, versus the apathy that's set in here and turning to the things that this world has to offer that are so fleeting and, you know, um, are just going to hold us back from that which is truly real forever. You know, those, those, those lessons are, are to be seen are clearly in, the, in these stories. Lord, I thank you for this time and uh, help us now as we pray together.